the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and leagues, and get ad free exclusive content at your fingertips. For all of this, visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S P O T R A C and get 40% off your first year subscription. That's theathletic.com slash track. My name is Mike Gennetti. A little bit of NFL on the back end. It's been a long time coming. I've kind of been beating around the bush with this one, but I'm going through the top five free agents on the offensive side of the ball. Quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive linemen, complete with valuations, some thoughts about each player, and where I think they may end up. So I'm, I'm diving into the crazy here in terms of NFL free agency. But first, Scott Allen joins the show. Talk about a really unique situation in the NBA, which is kind of baffling that it's not a gigantic story, especially with what's happening in the NFL in terms of lawsuits, in terms of the Deshaun Watson situation. Right across town in, the, in Houston, there is another wild, crazy story with tons of money tied to it, and nobody's really saying anything about it. So Scott and I are going to talk about it, but at least say, what the hell is going on here? That's next. All right, Scott, welcome back. I have a few questions for you, mostly basketball related. The first one is this, because I've been racking my brain about, about the NFL offseason and the upcoming draft stuff and where everybody kind of lands in terms of assets and you know trade possibilities and whatnot. And then I started to think, why aren't we talking more about the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson situation, but not him specifically? Right, the Deshaun situation and the legal stuff, I, I'm consciously not discussing that and, and him as a viable trade candidate because of it. But they sat him out and paid him $11 million. And they did that consciously. They did that without the NFL telling them they had to. They did that because they had the legal stuff to use as a cover-up and they wanted a better draft pick. Am I incorrect? I mean, no, I don't think you're incorrect. I think in that. you know where I'm headed with this, by the way. Okay. Because right across town, it, it got me thinking. The Texans aren't even the worst team in this regard in their state, in their city. Because what's happening with the Houston Rockets right now, Scott? And, and I want you to kind of go down this road a little bit. How much has John Wall been paid this year? And how much has he played? A lot for zero minutes. Do, do, uh, do you know the number? I have it. He, well, his salary is $44.3 million. <laughs> so, so it's half and of then that he still has point. a player option. Right. And, and he's played zero minutes. Is, is that, that's, that's correct, right? And he's not injured? Yeah. Not injured. Is not. he with the team? Um, so the, the short answer to that, I believe, is no. He's not with the team. Okay. Back in, I think, December, the situation was he he said that, oh, I want to come back and play now, but I want to be a starter. And they said, no, we're not going to start you. You're going to have to come off the bench. And that was a non-negotiable aspect to it. He wanted to be a starter. Um, okay. So Okay, wait. <laughs> Pause. He, he is a starter. He's the number he one is. overall pick from 2010. He came from right. Kentucky. He's signed by Clutch. He's been great when he can play. He's been injured. He's asking to start. He, he is healthy and willing to play, and he wants to start. And, and they said, no, take a seat. And, and nobody's talking about this, Scott? 
after after there is literally an open investigation in the NFL about a team that may have done this with monetary financials behind it. I, how is this not a story, Scott? I, this is why I brought up John Wall conversation in December or even November when Keith was on. Right, but because I, I knew we all just kind of agree, like it'll it'll work itself out. They'll they'll find a, a crappy trade partner at the deadline. Yep. They will. They're not buying him out, Scott. He's not taking less than forty four. Yeah, so remaining remaining on his contract right now, if he has uh, just under thirteen million dollars left in on a per day basis, based on that forty four three, I said. So they've already paid him thirty one and change. So if there was a buyout, it would have to include, you know, that thirteen plus the forty. What is it? Forty seven that's left on that player option. It sounded like they tried to move him uh, from. Uh, to the if Lakers. I remember correctly, to the Lakers. Yeah. It was, Windhorse was saying it was pretty close to being done, but they needed to up the ante a little bit. It was going to be Westbrook for Wall, and they were going to throw in the pick, but they needed to do a little bit more, and things fell through. So, but, but yeah, that's uh, the point. The point is, where it's December, it's February twentieth, ten days after the deadline, and he the only way out now is a buyout, and that's just not happening. Which means he's going to make forty four point three million dollars to not play for a team when he's 100% healthy and 100% willing to play basketball for them. This is not Ben Simmons. This is not whatever the hell Zion Williamson is going through right now. Right. This is, this is nothing like we've ever seen in pro sports, Scott. This, is, this guy wants to play, play the sport for this team. He wants to start. They will not let him because they don't want to win. Is anything correct. I just said incorrect? No, everything is correct in that assumption. This has to be a bigger story. And I don't think our little podcast is going to do that, but I hope other podcasts and radio shows start talking about it because this has to be a bigger story. They, they are yeah, going right. for percentage points in the lottery. That is 100% what's happening here. Yeah, you're, you're right. It, it should be. And like I said, I, I, this is why every time, every month, it seems like for the last four months, I've brought it up because, you know, there, no one was talking about it. And it's it's opposite of the Anthony Davis situation where he wanted to go. He wanted to be out. He didn't want to play. He was sort of holding firm. This situation was, no, you stay home. We don't want to play you in the beginning of the season because we know we're not going to be good. I, I can't even then, get on board with them doing that to the deadline. Okay. You want to, you want to slow play this? We've, we've seen, you know, like James Harden's hamstring injury, you know, <laughs> two, two weeks up leading up to the deadline. That's just the status quo with all the sports. You want to protect your trade assets when you have them. So I could even get by with them getting to February 10th without him playing as long as they had moved him on and let him go play basketball somewhere else. He's, he's not going to be able to play basketball right now. And he wants to, right? I mean, mm-hmm. right. it's just unprecedented. And it's, yeah, it, it's it, dangerous. It is. And if Houston doesn't want to buy him out, you know, I guess the, the reverse, if, John Wall doesn't want to buy out. He doesn't want to give back any money. At what not. point does Houston just say we're going to eat the money? Well, and- that's the next question. But, but will you help, help me out with next year now? Because he's opted into 47.3 next year, obviously. <laughs> yeah, he's going to. So, so try, to, try to kind of forecast this, guy. What happens either in this offseason or starting next in 2022-23 when, when the salary goes up and uh, will, will they be willing to play him? Do you think now that they'll have this next draft pick in in their system, they'll they'll try to win, you know, 15 games? Yeah, th- there's a couple things that could go on. He exercises that player option, it, it, then it's 
definitely guaranteed money. They could potentially waive him and then stretch it in the offseason, meaning it would be that salary divided by three because it's times two plus one. So it would be over three years. So if they did a stretch, it would be $57.8 million over the next three years if they wanted to go that route and wanted to eat it. That, that That's a lot to have to eat all in one or all over three years for, for that bad contract. So do they waive him and not buy him out and just eat the 47 for one year? Uh, that that's an option as well. Do they potentially potentially try to trade him in the off season or your scenario? Do they just play him? So they really have four options out of the gate going into the off season. If that's the case. I'm reading right now in front of me that he is not with the team, that he is working out by himself, kind of in his summer home kind of thing, doing just doing his own thing. Yeah, because if they're not going to, if he knows they're not going to play him, he, he, he's saying I'm a starter. I want to be a starter. I'm not going to play unless I'm a starter. So why show up if you're not going to be the starter? You know, he, that if you're there, then they're just going to, they'll have the option to just play you from the bench. And that's not what he wants. I, I'm a big Adam Silver fan. I actually like the fact that he got involved with the Ben Simmons stuff and, and some of these other things. I think he's been very good in most cases he's failing the league right now he is playing to the owners right now with this by not saying anything because this is this is this is dangerous in a gambling world that you can just do this and 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 pay a guy pay a guy to go away but still be on the roster and taking up an active spot and taking up what this has to be like 40 percent of their cap too right i mean this is ridiculous yeah it's about uh let's see uh 30 five-ish unbelievable it is the most blatant tanking you could ever think of ever it's unbelievable so i I hope this story gets more like and by the way kudos to him kudos to him for saying all the things that he said right i I, get me out there i want to play i I, don't make me a six man that's not what i'm here for he was traded for russell westbrook in a first round pick i mean he's here he's here to make an impact and they don't want to make an impact and that's that's a damn shame and and this is not the first time that somebody has sat out and saying, I'm I'm not going to play. I mean, we've, we've seen it happen in the past. I mean, Blake Griffin got to a point where, you know, he ended up agreeing to a buyout and, you know, he was a shell of himself in that situation. I mean, you have, is, is uh, the, Gordon okay, Dragic, let's see, can we use who, those two though? Are, are they, are they the same conversations? Scott? Did Detroit uh, probably, ever say we can't play you anymore? Right. It's, it's not, it's not an apples to apples situation, but it's a situation where the team said, no, no, you, you, you're not going to play. We don't want you to play because we want to, to tank. Um, this situation is more unique where the player wants to be there and be the starter, but they're saying no. Um, I just think it's but, unprecedented. That's why I had but, you on here. But, I, I but think it's completely unique. I, I know I know where you're going with this, but there are instances that have come up where a a player just decides I'm not going to play. I'm going to ride out the buyout, or sure. but but they're they're not with the team physically, um, and the team says okay, that's fine. We're going to eat it, and at some point they'll buy them out. Um, but you're I, I completely get where you're coming from from a gambling standpoint from the uh, roster sure. you know what does this say to 
any other player out there that says, I'm not going to play. I'm just going to take the money. And if you're not going to start me, then so be it. Um, well, here's so. why it's different than anything else. This is the second highest cap hit in all of the NBA. This is not, you know, some, some bad contract from four years ago that, oh, well, you know, it, age and injuries kind of caught up with this guy. To some degree, that is the case. But John Wall's 100% healthy right now, and he has been for a full hey. season now. And he's the second highest cap hit in all of basketball. This is like Aaron Rodgers walking away and, and, and taking his money from Green Bay, but staying home and watching their season. That's what this is like in the NBA. Yeah, and let me add to this. From all intensive purposes that I've heard and read, John Wall is not getting fined like Ben Simmons was. This is you know, not Ben's, his decision. It's the Houston Rockets. So why aren't they getting fined? <laughs> that well, that yeah, that too. So you know, it, it's it's a it is unprecedented, and it, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes and mm. if any any team follows suits like. It, By the way, hold on. I got to interject. Uh, in, in no way, shape, or form, did, did, am I equating John Wall to Aaron Rodgers in terms of like MVP candidacy? Oh, right. <laughs> I need to get that out there. Yeah. I'm simply saying Aaron Rodgers is basically like the second highest cap hit in the league. John Wall is the second highest cap hit in the NBA. So it's apples to apples in that regard. C can, I, right. can I pose okay. this back to you with, with where you were headed? Do you, do you think that Silver basically says the $44.3 million you're paying is your fine? For taking this that's trade a, in the first oh, place? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, it could be. But it's still a huge competitive imbalance to the rest of the league. It, it is. And I guess if you go, want to go down the fines road, then the fine going to a charity, it, it you're still paying it to the player. Mm -hmm. But where I was going to next say was, what is stopping, for all hypothetical purposes, say the Lakers with, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they go injured here at the end of the stretch. What's stopping the Lakers from saying, oh, no, Russell Westbrook, yeah. don't come back. They've we don't want to play you because. <laughs> no, well, I get that. But it, from a John Wall type standpoint of you, we know you want to play, but eh, we're not we're not going to we're not going to have you come play. You can just stay home because we want to make our odds in the lottery because we're not going to make the play in tournament better. Oh, okay. you know, I love this example because honestly, the money is exactly the same. The, those two are making the exact same money this and next year on, on the player option. So uh, is your scenario possible? Not from a basketball standpoint. W would the league do something to the Lakers if they did that? They haven't done anything to John Wall, so why not? I mean, they're, they're on their active roster. So I guess from a, a roster construction standpoint, I, maybe they could find them for not playing a premier player on, on game day, like they've done on a it, like TNT oh, night or something. Right. They do that, have that, right? Done. The DMP fine now. Right. And and it's been very rare that I've seen that even happen in the last few years I because teams are that. more cognizant of how to label a player of injury management versus rest. So, you know, they'll make sure to label it correctly. I mean, for all they, they could say, Oh, Russell Westbrook said his back is hurt. So we're just going to list him as injury back for the next X games or whatever it might be. Um, so there, there are probably ways around them skirting fines or anything like that. But I, I mean, I use them as an example, but any other team could probably do the same thing if they wanted to tank worse because they know they're out of it. Portland. 
they're not that they're going to tell Damian Lillard to come back. He's injured. He's out for a while, but who's to say any of those other players, you know, if they have players viable on the back end to play, we're just going to play them and make our percentage better for the draft. I guess that's the best part. At least it's not an NFL situation where if you are the worst team, you're getting the number one pick. At least there's a chance they get screwed out of this at some point. But, um, by the way, I, 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 for those who don't follow it, John Wall played 40 games last year, scored 21 points, seven assists, and three boards per game in, in those 40, to, in 40 games. So, yes, he's had his injuries, but when he's healthy, that is exactly the player he's been for about seven and a half seasons here. Seriously, like he's, he's not a dog. He's not a superstar. You know, he's not a worthy number one overall pick in, at this stage of his career, but he's not a dog either. Like he, he's a legitimate impact player when he hits the court. So they're, they are purposely holding back a top five player on their roster, and it's not even a question mark in my and, mind. And, and who knows? Maybe, maybe the situation is going to be Houston is in the third spot right now yeah. in the draft, so they're, they're even odds with Detroit and Orlando. They get a top three pick. Maybe John Wall does come back and play because they ended up getting that top pick. They also have the 17th pick right now. So, um, Maybe they get these picks, they they hit on them, and then John Wall comes back and helps out. I mean, maybe that is a scenario. I guess I don't maybe even care. Do you even care? Uh, to me, the fascinating part of this is that this is not the you know you know it's a player empowerment league, and everybody's kind of getting ticked off with where that's going, and you know the Harden stuff, the Simmons stuff. Now this LeBron demanding that he plays with his son, who yeah, might not even be right. an, an an NBA prospect. Let's not even go down that rabbit hole. You know, there's a lot of it out there. There's a lot of voices out there, which has a lot of goods and some bads. This is not what this is. This is, this is, you know, and maybe John Wall has been prepped properly by lawyers and agents and, and pub, you know, public relations people. But until he says, I don't want to play for the Houston Rockets anymore. It is not a, pl- this is not a player problem. This is a team problem. This Correct. is Houston saying, nope, we're good. Go work out at home. That's what this is. And that's not the conversation that the rest of the league is having, but it's the conversation that the whole league should be talking about because it's dangerous. It is. And if it gets to a point where, and going back to my four scenarios, I guess there is a fifth scenario. He could exercise or decline that player option and go into free agency. He's not going to make $47 million. So, but it is an option that if he really wants out of Houston, decline it because then you're playing chicken with Houston where they could do the exact same thing next year and pay him 47 just to be on the roster and take up a spot and allow them to, uh, you know, you and I off, off air last, uh, last week, we're talking about Oklahoma city and their situation with the, the, the salary floor. This just allows the Houston Rockets to get to their salary floor because they're having to pay so much money, so they don't have to divvy up money. So to is their that other their players. argument to the league? If the league has called, I'm sure the league has called and said, "What the hell are you doing here?" Do you think that's exactly what they said? We we needed it. We need the salary. It could, and it could also help on a league standpoint. From he's on the roster at a full amount, and so this counts towards the average salary for the whole league. Obviously, one out of 300 to 400 salaries is it's not going to move the needle very much, but it's still the third or what second highest in the league right now. So it's going to have an effect to some extent. Uh, So that could be part of it too. It's so fascinating because I I can't wrap my head around 
another sport doing like like I'm going back to Deshaun now in my head right across town. D- Deshaun has a forty point four million dollar cap hit this year. It's thirty million more than it was last year. You know he's he's about to make thirty five million dollars cash. We think probably not. I'm sure there's going to be some of that t- taken away, but you know Houston's not going to sit him on the sidelines with that. There's no way. You know what I mean? Wait, that they will either trade him or or start him next year. That that's one hundred percent going to be the case if he's allowed to play football. That's one hundred percent going to happen. He will not be sitting on the sidelines because his contract in this hard cap league says no. Now, again. Deshaun Watson's abilities and John Wall's abilities are not comparable right now. They're closer than Aaron Rodgers. I'll put it that way. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even a it's not even a possibility in the NFL, right? That a quarterback could be, could just be sat aside with, with the second highest cap in, in football. No, there would be way more scrutiny. I mean, I'm That's looking right. at the top. I'm looking at the the top cap hits here: Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins. All guys who could they're all 40s. <laughs> they could they're all be 40s. pushed away. <laughs> they, they could all be pushed away, but I guess the difference is guaranteed salary versus not guaranteed. But I think yeah. th- th- what makes the situation with John Wall harder than, say, in the NFL is the salary matching situation, whereas Deshaun Watson's going to go for a bunch of picks, picks. and maybe, maybe a player, if, if so or Aaron Rodgers is going to go for two first rounders and two second rounders or whatever it might be. Whereas John wall, you have to match to a certain value that 43, $47 million with another team. So are you, what are you going to get back? You're going to have to either get two twenties or, you know, a 30 and a 15 or whatever it might be to get back. And is anyone necessarily going to want John wall on their roster? at this point. So that that's where it, they're treading into some interesting waters going into the next uh, season. Now, like I said, if John wall really wants out and he doesn't really care about the 47 million, well, I would, but you know, if he doesn't want to be in Houston that badly, then maybe it is an option for him to just say, I'm going to lose that money and go play. No for- chance. I, no I know it's a chance. <laughs> I, I, I can't say it's a 0% chance because the, 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 there's at least a 1% chance, I would say, that he declines it to get out of Houston if he wants to. Now, if he, if he doesn't care about not playing another season, then, yeah, yeah. you know, we're, you're essentially getting paid $47 million to work out wherever you want. Then, yeah, you know, that ain't bad. I, I would take, I, I would take that. But, you know, for a guy that has said, I want to be a starter and I want to play, you know, he, he's got some options. And, you know, if the league isn't going to step in, then Houston's going to yeah. do it again. Yeah, that's right. One more question. I'll get you out of here because you, you kind of piqued my interest on something. This was Wall for Westbrook. This, this got Westbrook out of Houston and into Washington. That's what this trade was when Wall came to Houston. And then immediately, Almost immediately, a year later, Westbrook's flipped to the Lakers. Now Westbrook and Wall are, air quotes, untradeable contracts, right? And it isn't because they can't play a little basketball. I think they're, if I, didn't, I haven't looked at Westbrook, I'm, I'm guessing it's pretty damn close to that 20, 20 per game, right? About the same. I bet your Wall actually shoots the ball a little better at this stage right now. So 
did we hit a breaking point here? Are, are the are the top salaries in the league, the, the ones that we love to see traded all the time and still did. James Harden just went, you know, a, a minute and a half ago. Are they so high that the only way, well, the, the, one of the ways to, to acquire those kind of players is to give up four pieces, four high paid pieces on your team, which is what the Lakers had to do or decided to do, which is why they don't have the depth to win. And they don't have the depth to trade and change the roster. The Lakers are broken now because of that trade. And Houston's essentially broken because they can't trade a, 42, a $44 million you know, John Wall without taking back three bad contracts to do so. So it's not going to be a you know, completely, it's, it's totally broken or it's totally not broken answer, Scott, right? But are, are we getting to a point now where, I mean, we're headed into 50s with these cap hits. Are we, are we getting to a point now where those players may be untradeable unless the absolute perfect scenario is there. Yeah, I think that's the case. And we alluded to that with James Harden and talking about his possible extension with Philadelphia now right. when, you know, he could potentially be making $62 million at age 39. So the fact that you're, you're getting up into those values. Yeah, absolutely. I think before we said not tradable, but I think we're getting to a point where, we're trading the same players over and over because their salaries match, you know, John wall for Russell Westbrook mm -hmm. and back and forth. And, um, you know, I'm kind of surprised that Houston even entertained the Russell Westbrook situation because they don't want to play John wall because they want to, they want to stink. Right. But if you trade for a Russell Westbrook, then you're going to have to pay him. You're not going to be able or play, pay him and play him. He's not just going to sit down. I'm He's not, a guy. I'm who's not sure that's open. right. I, I, I'm not sure that's right because what the, they would have gotten a pick out of it, Scott, which is really what they wanted. Well, they wanted more than they wanted more than just that pick two, I believe. I, so they wanted, they really wanted to have that pot sweetened to have to take him on. Right. Um, but I, we can't be sure they were going to play him. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I, I guess the situation could have been the same. My, I, I think Russell Westbrook is more vocal than John wall. So I would perceive that, that that would be the case, but maybe I'm wrong, mm. but you're right. Going back to your original question there at the end here. Uh, yeah. I think we're, we're on the verge of the salaries are so high mm -hmm. that the, those mid-level values aren't going to, aren't escalating fast enough to be able to throw them into, to right. pick unless you find, Unless you find the, the 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 team that has constructed their roster so well that they have some high, some middles in the eighteen to twenties, and then you know maybe some five to eights that you can package three or four players correctly to get that player. But then, but then again, we're talking about players that are making money at the value that they are at a late age career, right? So we're talking 37 to 39 years old for the, you know, James Harden, if he signs that extension. So it is now on the side of the team to have to really evaluate those late aged players. Well, and, and, and let me jump in, let me jump in here. Cause you're dead. Right. And there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of blinders on here because of LeBron James. Like we look at LeBron James and, He's single-handedly carrying this team right now, even though he's one of three, you know, uh, veritable superstars on that roster. 
at 37 years old. And we just kind of brush it away because that's been him for 19 seasons. This is not normal. Okay. <laughs> James Harden's not going to age like this. Steph Curry's not going to age like this. It's this is not what superstars do. Kevin Durant has already had his injuries. You know, mm -hmm. there's a very good chance he's not going to look near like this in four years at age 37. So, you know, I hope the franchises aren't banking so much on late 30s guys consistently doing this, even though, yes, medicine, technology, blah, 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 has gotten better. But at some point in time, we just all have to sit back and say, hey, Tom Brady and LeBron James, they're freaks. They are athletic freaks that, that just ran through a generation unlike anything else. And we can't build a roster or manage a roster as if we have any guy who's going to be like that at age 37. I, I just think that's because that you're right. That's what Harden's headed toward here. If he gets extended, that that is the kind of money that can turn into a John Wall situation in about 24 months. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're using James Harden because he's the easy one right now, but well, because he's the next in line. D Dame Lillard's up for. A two I was just going to say, right? D D Dame potentially could have an extension already on the extension that he just started. Right. You know, he has those issues. Uh, you know, LeBron is an anomaly, but you know, two more years. What is he going to look like in two more years with all those miles on him? Anthony Davis, are you going to want to? You know, he just started into his extension, but yeah. towards. You know, I, I've heard. You and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I'm starting to hear more rumbles of shh, maybe the Lakers do need to entertain Anthony Davis being moved because the roster is so bad. And we talked about that. What happens next year with Russell Westbrook on there mm -hmm. with the option of Davis or LeBron? But the the fact that these salaries are getting so high and keep in mind, we're talking about salaries in the future that are not necessarily tied to the cap. These are like James Harden, his salary is, you know, a percentage of what he already makes. If this new CBA comes in and the TV money escalates and they don't smooth cap, we could be seeing, you know, free agents and signing trades of these higher values. Yeah, John Moran, these... 75 million a year. No question. <laughs> I mean, that's so, nuts, right? So, you know, it, it, the fact that some of these values of of contracts are going to be so high yes you may be able to eventually because of that cap increase be able to move player of 50 million dollars maybe a little bit easier but we we are in the area of sort of like major league baseball when they started to pull back on we're not going to pay these guys yeah nba is sort of getting, getting into there. that we're getting there where they're going to have to say, eh, I know you want the max and the max is usually what we give you guys because it's just next man up kind. And this is the highest we can pay you, but they almost need to start getting smarter with a Chris Paul contract. I know it wasn't an extension and it was a free agent signing, but they need to start being a win-win for the player and the team hmm. Good luck, at man. that late age. goes back to what I was saying. It's a, it's a player league in a lot, a lot of cases. Um, you know what else I noticed? I, 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 I promise I'll finish with this. You know, we went through those couple of years here where we're talking about NBA money and LeBron and Kawhi and everything that was going on. And everybody was doing a one plus one. That, we, that was like the buzzword going around, right? Everybody wanted the one-year guarantee plus the player option. So they had control over their life over the next 18 to 24 months. Those are gone. LeBron's on a four-year deal. Anthony Davis is on a four-year deal. John Wall's on a four-year deal. Kawhi just signed a four-year extension. 
everybody's going long-term again. Everybody wants security because injuries are here, right? I mean, all these guys have been injured. I just mentioned Dame's got an injury now. Everybody, every superstar in the league has had some sort of injury. Steph's been out for a decent amount of time last year. Obviously, Clay Thompson, you name it. You run down the top paid players in the NBA. They've all suffered an injury of some consequence over the past 18 months. And I think it scared them back into long-term contracts. Agreed. There's lots going on here. And the money's so there's- stupid. So we're going to have to keep doing this. But I wanted to get the John Wall stuff out there because it's nuts. It's nuts that the league is so rich, Scott, that $44.3 million isn't scaring a team. It's not even making them blink about sending a guy back to Miami to work out and hang out by himself and watch his team play. It's crazy. Good stuff, man. All right. Have a good one. All right, quick switch to the NFL here. It is the NFL offseason. We're doing a bunch of variations on it this year, right? Like we're not we're just diving all into a gigantic free agent list or a gigantic cap casualty list like we've done in the past. We broke it up by divisions in terms of our offseason series. So if you're looking for the Bills, check out the AFC East piece. I'm doing some individual team breakdowns, especially the teams that need cap space right now. So the Rams, how, how can they open up a ton of cap space? The Saints, how can they open up a ton of cap space? I will have a Chiefs one this week because I want to make sure that I, I, I get all of their options out there. Uh, one of which is Patrick Mahomes, but maybe shouldn't be Patrick Mahomes as you'll see in the article in a couple of days here. Uh, so I'm taking a different approach, some divisional stuff. I've got positional breakdowns where if you're just looking for a tight end dive, I've got tight ends on every team, contra- contract statuses, who might be up for extensions, potential free agents, things like that. So um, kind of uh circling around the free agent market versus just diving at it. But I'm going to actually attack it today a little bit. Offensive free agents. There's enough conversation and articles and rankings and lists out there now where, you know, anything I have in my head in terms of what the top free agents would be have kind of been verified and validated at this point. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to give you five names from quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and the offensive line. And then I'm going to throw in a sleeper. And I do have some valuations here. Um, but I'm going to go real lightning fast on this because, you know, it's a grain of salt. We know very little about how these rosters are going to look based on March 16th, based on, uh, you know, obviously after, after free agency, you know, subtractions and additions. And then obviously as we head toward the draft, uh, and that starts with the quarterback position. You know, there's a lot of question marks at the quarterback position that could change the way teams choose to handle the offseason. So, I'm not going to go crazy here. I have some destinations that I like for certain players, but I'm going to go kind of a rapid fire on this. And like I said, there's pieces. I, I'm talking about these players in a variety of places on spotrack.com, plenty more on Twitter as well. So if you have a question, if you think I'm dead wrong on Dalton Schultz, fire away, please. Cause this is the stuff that we should be talking about this time of year. It's not ingrained that he goes back to Dallas. It's not ingrained that he's getting 13 million a year. You know, I've got other, other aspirations for him. So, uh, open the conversation up, please, at SpotTrack on Twitter, and certainly uh, check out the pieces that we, do, we supplement this kind of content with on SpotTrack.com. The quarterback class is weak. I like the sleeper I have more than I like any other of the free agents that are listed on, in, on most of these sites, myself included. Jameis Winston's at the top because of the unknown. Toward the ACL, there's a path for him to return to the Saints on a similar contract, you know, somewhere around 5 to $7 million with tons of incentives. And he's just the week one starter as long as he's healthy. There's a path for that. You know, the, 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 star, the head coach was internal. So there were, he was already on board with that. And part of that conversation last year, it's probably the simplest path, except for the sleeper I have. 
So that's probably the likelihood for, for Jameis Winston. Teddy Bridgewater is probably out. You know, he's looking for work. I've been trying to figure out how to replace Carson Wentz for the past week and a half here. And I think this is it. I think this is it. Um, Bridgewater's a stable quarterback. He's not a top-tier quarterback. I think he had a chance to be before his injury in Minnesota, but he's not. But he's stable. And they have a phenomenal running game. I think they'll do some work on their offensive line, which we'll get to. And uh, the defense can really hold at the right time. I mean, they were stable quarterback play from being a playoff team in 2021. So I think this is the right way to do this if they're going to move on from Wentz. So let's assume they eat seven and a half million of Wentz's 15 million in order to get a sixth round pick for him from somebody, Tampa, I don't know, somebody. Then they just give Bridgewater the rest of that 15 million, one for eight or one for seven or seven and a half and incentivize it with playing time and production and playoff berths and things like that. And like I said, I don't think there's gonna be too many top bidders for Bridgewater where this could be the best fit for both sides. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay that one out there for you. I've got three guys lumped together in my number three, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, and Tyrod Taylor. I think they're all one for 5 million. The, uh, back, backing up somebody with a chance to play based on injury or poor play. This could be the Giants. This could be the Dolphins. This could be the Falcons. This could be, if they trade Russ, the Seahawks could need a starting quarterback with some experience. Tennessee might want to throw a handcuff on Ryan Tannehill at this price. Experienced guys who aren't going to break the bank could, could, could be minimum players by the end of the summer. Who knows? But to me, I'm just going to tie them together right now. And then the last one is Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, backed up Josh Allen in 2021. Got a lot of uh, good cred in the preseason. Played, played for a cup of coffee when, when Allen needed to, to come out for a bit. Um, but he sat through Brian Dable's system. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of, uh, will he go to compete with Daniel Jones in New York? Sure. Sure. He could also be the week one starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers on what? On Jameis's contract last year, five and a half heavily incentivized to get to like 12 or 13. Would that be the craziest thing in the world? Tons of starting experience, you know, has something to prove, just sat with a good offense for a year. It's probably not a terrible plan for the Steelers. I like, I like the same kind of thing if they acquire Gardner Minshew, by the way. Here's my sleeper, Marcus Mariota. It's a name a lot of people forget about till they see him on the field and they're like, hey, this guy's pretty damn athletic still. He is. He is. And who loves gimmicky quarterbacks more than those New Orleans Saints? He's a better Taysom Hill. Can, I, can we just say that out loud? He's a better Taysom Hill. So if they don't want to go the Jameis route and this is, you know, they want to be a little bit more wide open with their offense, there you go. Marcus Mariota is going to walk away from Vegas. So I think this is uh, maybe a sneaky, sneaky, really good high upside play for a team like New Orleans who needs to upgrade their quarterback position right now. All right, running backs. All these names should be on the top of your list as well. Uh, I don't have anybody making more than $8 million a year, and that's Fournette. I got him at four for 32. There'll be a couple of teams looking to do that. You know, because, what, half is guaranteed, two for 16 guaranteed? I mean, that's just where we are now. I can't get anybody to $10 million on this on this list. You know, Cordero Patterson... The, the gimmicky stuff's awesome, but he's 31. So nobody's going to overpay for that, even though what he did was phenomenal. So I get him at 6 million, maybe two for 12, pro- probably returning to Atlanta. I mean, you know, him and um, Kyle Pitts and maybe Calvin Ridley, that's pretty good offense right there. So I, I don't know why Atlanta wouldn't want to run that back at that price. Melvin Gordon's just slightly under that. He, he played well in two years in Denver. And yeah, he got usurped by a rookie who should take the keys from here. 
But Melvin Gordon's going to jump onto a contender, in my opinion. Maybe not at this price, maybe cheaper, but he's still a viable option on the running back right now and uh, you know, doesn't have the mileage that some of these other backs do. So I, I like him on a really good team this offseason. James Conner and Chase Edmonds remained attached at the hip. They're both pending free agents out of Arizona. I guess one of them goes back there at about $5 million per year, two for 10 or something like that. And then somebody walks into Miami or, or Houston or one of those teams that needs it bad. Um, and Sony Michelle probably is the other team, right? So if it's, if it's Connor going to Houston, then it's Sony Michelle going to Miami, something like that. It's both for about four and a half to $5 million a year on a couple of years, one year guaranteed. So my sleeper is this. Rashad Penny really took a step forward. He did this once about three years ago and then injuries set in and I don't know, some, uh, maybe a lack of effort. I, I don't know what it was for a year and a half there, but he really had a good showing in 2021. And Seattle loves the run. Pete Carroll is dying to run the ball 90% of the time. So if Chris Carson's injury, it was a neck injury, neck fusion, it's one of those ones to keep an eye on. If, he, if they don't think he's going to return to be a 17-week running back, they can get out of that contract you know, with, with a, a decent dead cap hit, but Definitely can get out of it before more guarantees lock in. And I'd bring back Rashad Penny on $4 million a year, $5 million a year, whatever it's going to be. He just hasn't proven enough to get it more than that right now. So I think there's a chance that he becomes a featured back, the featured back he was drafted to be five years ago. So keep an eye out for that name as this offseason percolates and maybe some cap casualties hit the bank. Wide receivers. A couple of these guys aren't going anywhere because of tags, but it's fun to play anyway. Uh, Devontae Adams, the team you're going to hear if for some ungodly reason he's not franchise tagged, or even if he is, and he becomes a trade candidate on that tag, is Vegas. He played ball with uh, Derek Carr at college. So it's not a great connection. It's not a great reason to put them together. But the fact that there's not an actual WR1 in Vegas also puts this connection you know, nicely in a wrap bow. So that would be the you know, unless he's following Aaron Rodgers, like I've projected for the last two months, if he's going to Denver or going to Nashville or whatever the hell he's going to go, that makes the most sense to me. Otherwise, Vegas could be on the list. In terms of contract, he's asking for 30 a year. Nobody should be able to, nobody should be paying him 30 a year. It's just, it's just not, it's not right. I could, I know that 30 a year isn't 30 a year and you can flex this thing all over four and five years with void years. Let's not do it. Let's not do it. He's a $25 million wide receiver. He's on contract number three at this point. This is not a rookie extension. This is contract number three. You can make him a very rich man with four for 100, 70 million fully guaranteed and get this out the door. Don't push it. Don't push it. He's great, but how much better is he than Chris Godwin or Mike Williams right now? I don't know, 10%. So don't pay him, don't pay him 120. Pay him 100. You know, 70 million fully guaranteed. Chris Godwin's next. There's that four for 76. There's that four for 80 I've been talking about here. Yes, he's got the injury. Uh, he should be fully back from that and healthy and maybe stronger and better than ever. He's got to go north of 18 million a year. That's my put the foot down. He's got he's to surpass Kenny Galladay. He is a much better wide receiver than Kenny Galladay. And uh, he's, he's shown that with and without Tom Brady. So if he walks, and I think he does walk out of Tampa. I know Tampa's going to try like hell to get him back, but I'm not sure there's, there's room for uh, team discounts anymore in Tampa Bay. Chargers, Philadelphia, Washington. I like Washington a lot for Chris Godwin. Put him together with Terry McLaurin and whatever quarterback comes to town, and let's see what happens. Mike Williams is uh, my best bet to play out a franchise tag in 2022. I like the player, but he values to the franchise tag value, which is about $18 million. So 
I just put him there. I'd hope he'd sign it. If he doesn't sign it, then we can really start to hammer out something more long term. But they have cap space to front load things like this. So to me, that makes a ton of sense. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Ellie Robinson goes back to the Jacksonville Jaguars to help Trevor Lawrence in that new regime. Uh, four for 60 is kind of like the mathematical way to look at it, about 15 a year, which was 20 a year and a half ago. But uh, if he doesn't want to lock in long term with a team like that, if he wants to kind of make it a showcase and just kind of see if, if there's you know, a good connection, good chemistry with the coaching staff, with Trevor Lawrence, things like that, you go one for 12, fully guaranteed or something like that. And then you resuscitate your career and uh, move on from there. Speaking of which, and injuries, Michael Gallup. I think, uh, I think the injury actually helped Dallas in this situation because I think they'll be able to get him back a little bit cheaper than they thought they were going to have to. There was, a, there was probably a legitimate WR1 ceiling for him somewhere on a bad team, for instance, like the Jets. Uh, but I don't think that's the case anymore. I think he's a complimentary player, especially as he works back. And him and CeeDee Lamb should be the right fit. I think they're going to move on from Amari Cooper in some fashion this offseason in Dallas, which gives Gallup more targets. And that's probably what he deserves at this point. Four for 50 I have for Gallup, by the way. And uh, my sleeper is not unlike Michael Gallup. It's Christian Kirk, Arizona. Basically the WR3 there for his, his, his rookie career, his rookie contract. I got him just under Gallup in terms of price, four for 48. Um, I just, I think he goes to a team that has a little bit more space for him, a little bit more room to breathe and a quarterback that can sling it. Cause when, honestly, when Kyler started to throw downfield, you know, unlike Josh Rosen and unlike some of the other quarterbacks there could do, Kirk, Christian Kirk really woke up. So what happens if you throw him into Buffalo's offense and you let Josh Allen's arm send Christian Kirk open? I, I like this one a lot. I like Stefan Diggs, Christian Kirk, Gabriel Davis and maybe some, some other addition this offseason to go with it in terms of a wide-open Buffalo Bills offense. So to me, that one makes a ton of sense. I, I'm kind of pushing for that one to happen internally. Tight ends. Dalton Schultz, the aforementioned. I've got him at four for 52. It's about $13 million a year, just surpassing the Hunter Henry deal in New England, which is pretty much the baseline for most of these tight end contracts. Dallas probably keeps him. Blake Jarwin can be moved on from to save up a ton of cap space. If not, this is one of those moves I'd sure like Cincinnati to make this offseason, along with, you know, four offensive linemen, which we'll get to. But this is a nice one. This is a nice uh, change of pace here. So I think uh, he's younger than Uzama. There's probably, probably a, good, a good spot for him on this roster in terms of blocking for Mixon, blocking for a couple of the, of the outside edge rushes, and uh, getting open. This guy showed he could catch the ball, which wasn't something he was able to do much two or three years ago. So to me, he's the top available tight end. A lot of people have Mike Gusecki there. Mike Gusecki had a cup of coffee's worth of good football on that rookie contract in Miami. And a lot of that was coaching and a lot of that was quarterbacking. And a lot of that was system. He's not a complete tight end. He's not going to go and slam the edge like a, like a Gronkowski or a Dalton Schultz as someone he's, that he will do. But you put him in a more wide open system. I like him in Minnesota with Kirk. I think that's right. Um, but he's a franchise tag candidate. Miami probably doesn't let him walk. So four for 44 to keep him in my opinion, or just keep him on that $11 million tag. Zach Ertz is next. A lot of people forget about this guy because he, uh, he really went downward with Philly there for a while. And then finally got moved to Arizona and played well, played really well with, uh, with Kyler in that offense for the first, you know, the whole offense was great for 12 weeks. Um, he's still a $10 million tight end, even though he's up there in age. And I think the problem with coming back to Arizona is that Max Williams is also a free agent and four years younger and probably only costs about six to seven million a year. So they're probably going to favor that route 
you know, get 80% of the production for 80% of the price. And uh, Zach probably walks. So does he go to a really nice team that, that needs it? Tennessee, right? I mean, that makes sense to me. Maybe he takes a little bit less, joins a better team if, you know, the Rams move on from Tyler Higby or something like that. But Tennessee seems a really good fit for Deckers this offseason. David Njoku finally kind of woke up out of that rookie contract in his last year and a half here in Cleveland. There's really strong sentiment that he's going back to Cleveland to play with Baker and co. Um, I can't get him over $6 million a year. I've seen some people try to put him at $10 million. I can't do it. <laughs> Just a consistency thing. We don't evaluate people based on what they did yesterday. It's a two-year process, and over two years, Njoku is just not a $10 million tight end. So he may turn into that. I wouldn't give him more than a two-year contract at this point. But seems it makes sense that a return to Cleveland is in play here. Not the case with Gronk, who's last on this list here. Um, he was one for eight, fully guaranteed last year with Tampa Bay. There is a, uh, you know, a void year sitting there on Tampa's dead cap. But without Tom, I just don't see him coming back there. You know, he's going to look for the perfect situation or he's going to walk away from the game again. So I don't know. Does Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow do it for you, Gronk? Right. I mean, to, to me, those would be the two quarterbacks I'd be looking at and both need a tight end. You know, you need to replace Jared Cook and you, and you need to replace Uzama, who is the sleeper on this list, by the way. So one for five, heavily incentivized with playoff bonuses and all that stuff. He's not going to be a 17 week guy, but just to have the experience and maybe that, maybe have him for a postseason run. I think either of those quarterbacks would be would, would raise their hand and sign up for that tomorrow. So, Uzama's the sleeper. He's leaving uh, Cincinnati. He's, it will be his third contract, so the price tag should come down a little bit. I've got a, at about two for fifteen, you know, seven and a half or so a year. He can play, and he's a gamer, and he's a he's a guy's guy kind of tight end. So, I I don't know why since he would move on if they think he's healthy and they think the connection with Burrow is strong. But are they looking to get younger? You know, are they going to find a draft pick? Are they going to look at a guy like Gronk? Well, Gronk is not younger, but, you know, like a Dalton Schultz, like I mentioned before, maybe an Evan Ingram if they want to try to get squeeze some juice out of him on the open market. I just wonder, at some point, since he's going to Cincy and they're going to squeeze their pennies and, and, and not go after the best available to make them the best possible team. And this just might be the position where that happens. All right, last thing, offensive line. There's a bounty of good players here, but... I imagine most return to where they came from. I, I've, I've tried to identify a couple of players that might not. Um, Taron Armstead's the first. He's been the left tackle in New Orleans for forever. He's 30, going on 31. So starting to percolate a little bit in terms of the age problems. But, you know, Trent Williams got $23 million a year at age 32. Bakhtiari was up there when he got his contract. Not really scaring teams off if you can play ball. Jason Peters was the best offensive lineman <laughs> Our offensive lineman on the Bears last year at age, what, 78, wherever he was. So it's not scaring people off. I don't think this has to be a top-of-the-market contract. Now, if he wants to go to a bad team, you know, Jacksonville will probably pay him $25 million a year. But I think he's looking for more of a contender, and contenders' prices have to drop a little bit. So I've got four for 88, most of that guaranteed, by the way. And does he replace Andrew Whitworth on the Rams? Does he replace Eric Fisher? On the Colts, I think both make a heck of a lot of sense. Otherwise, the Bears are interested, the Jags are interested, the Bengals are interested. Let's be perfectly honest about what's happening here. But I think those two teams make a heck of a lot of sense for the situation at hand. Orlando Brown Jr. is the you know the top dog offensive lineman right now. He was acquired for two firsts and then some. He's getting the franchise tag. 
depends on what kind of situation he's in with Kansas City right now. Because if Kansas City would, would like to stick him on that tag and keep him there, uh, I wouldn't hate it. But if not, I've got it at five years, $118 million, the highest offensive lineman co- contract in the history of NFL. So that's coming at some point. But I think I'd like to see a franchise tag first. Speaking of coming, Brandon Scherf has been asking for $16 million a year for three years. He's got a franchise tag plus a franchise tag. He's got injuries. I still think he's getting $16 million a year. I've got him at three for 50, but he's probably leaving town this time. Carolina, Chicago, Cincinnati, I could all use help with a legitimate guard, and he still is that when healthy. Connor Williams basically got run out of Dallas. I mean, got outplayed by what just is a revolving door of good offensive linemen over the years. He's going to walk, and I don't think it's going to be for a big price either. So I'm going to put him at three for 21 to join the right side of Josh Allen's line in Buffalo. I think that makes a lot of sense. A little bit more zone play, um, you know, you know, a little more quick, quick play offense versus what Dallas was, was leave Dak in the, in the pocket for forever and let the uh, big-time wide receivers get downfield. I think Josh will uh, make Connor a little bit better in terms of what he can do best on that offensive line, and I don't think it's going to break Buffalo's bank to do so. Ryan Jensen's the best center available. That's Tampa Bay. That's Tom Brady's guy for the last two years. Tampa Bay should probably keep him, regardless of who the new quarterback is going to be. But, you know, he's getting up there. He's going to want to go play for another contender somewhere. So, yeah, does he turn down major offers from Chicago and a couple of these other center-needy teams, Tennessee? Maybe, but I've got him at four for 50. So... I think he's going to make bank wherever he ends up. I just think deciding on which franchise he wants to join next is very fascinating to me. Ben Jones is probably getting run out of Tennessee at this point, and he'll find decent money on a, on a worse team is the, is the best way to look at that. I like this player a lot, so I hope he finds a quality franchise to hop, in, hop into. But you know, to me, it's looking like the Giants type of team at about 8 to $10 million a year. And then the sleeper's Eric Fisher. I mentioned him in Indy. I think he'll get run out of Indy because I think they'll look to upgrade. And if they can get Armstead in for a high price, they'll do it. They've shown they'll pay for positions of importance. So Fisher hits the market, leaving a good Indy team where he was good. And he, despite some injuries, he was good. There's your next in line. So if you missed on Armstead, right? If you're the Rams and you miss on Armstead, Eric Fisher, welcome back to the Rams. Here we go. I think that's the right move to replace, you know, a legend in Andrew Whitworth on the, on the left side of Matthew Stafford's line. So four for 60 on Fisher, still, uh, still getting after it all those years, 15 million a year, over 30 years old, former number one overall pick. There's about uh, 50 valuations I can give you right there. That's about all I can do on a podcast. Plenty more to come in terms of article form. And uh, you know, we'll do some deep dives into some of these positions as we get closer to March 16th. We're heading up to the franchise tag window here, though. So some of these guys, you know, the, the Gusecki's, the Mike Williams, the Devontae Adams, I think for sure, certainly the Orlando Browns, the tags will be a part of this because the second they're tagged, they're now trade candidates, not free agent candidates. So it's something to think about. And uh, I do think we'll have some tag and trades this offseason, which is crazy fun. That's good stuff for the NFL. My thanks to Scott Allen and the John Wall conversation. If you have any questions about how that works, we're at Spotrek on Twitter. And by the way, I hope The Athletic is writing about this sooner rather than later as well, because it's a, it's a weird, weird story. Theathletic.com slash Track gets you 40% off your first year. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.